everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, a Terminator podcast where we cover any and all things Terminator, specifically, recently, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I'm your host, Michael John Petty, and with me is my co-host, Tanner Radwick, and we're talking about an episode that we're not incredibly thrilled about today, and if you've seen it, you may know what we're talking about, but also maybe you like this episode, and who knows, maybe after our discussion we'll like it a little more too. Uh, That seems to be the case often. But before we get into that, Tanner, we get to finally talk about our Super Bracket Bros discussion. Yeah, uh, fun. And I kept going back and forth on how I would express how I felt, but I think I'll just tell you, honestly, honestly, how I feel, I kind of regret my final vote. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, so yeah, it's okay. Being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we talk about the end result? Yeah, yeah. This fight we can we can spoil that it. Bracket Bros. If you guys haven't, yeah. regardless of how we what how it turns out, our ending and what we're gonna spoil here in a second, go back and we'll link it in the episode description. And it's linked in our last episode's description too. But go back and listen to the Super Bracket Bros episode where they pit the T eight hundred against Sarah Connor, and we're on that episode. It was a lot of fun. Honestly, it was a blast, and there were so many thoughtful discussions about Terminator, and you get to learn a little bit more about us than we would otherwise probably share here. It's just, it's it's fun. It's a good time, and, you know, Jay and Eli were really wonderful hosts, and we're hopeful to make it back on the show again. So, definitely go check that out. It's really worth it. Um, you'll understand a lot more what we're talking about here, but moving on... Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about spoilers. So the T eight hundred won. It did, and it won a three out of four vote. You, me, and I think it was Eli all voted for the T eight hundred, and I was a swing vote. I I said it could easily be a tie at first, and you yeah, guys kind of bullied me into changing my we answer. Bullied you into so, it. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that says more about me or you, but maybe both. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Well, we, you and I both said it could very easily go either way. Yes. Right? Um, and I still believe that. Fair. I'll hold to that. Yes. That's fair. I, I believe that as well. We before, before the episode started, we talked about this is going to matter most where the arena is. For those of you to, who don't know, part of the Bracket Bros um, episodes and the way they set it up, is that they pick a random arena for these two random characters to fight each other. Could, so, yeah, it could be a real place, could be fictional, could be from a completely different universe. Exactly. Um, examples, they had uh, the Alice in Wonderland maze was an arena. They had the starting lab level from Half-Life, that was an arena. Um, Michael and I, we were hoping for like a scrapyard, yeah. right? <laughs> to, we we kind of, both of us wanted Sarah to have the edge, kind of, if we're being honest. Um, just because we love Sarah. We love the Terminator. We love T-800. But something fun about the underdog winning, right, that we talk about, kind of. Yeah. Also, again, Sarah's more than capable, so. She is. She can do it under the right circumstances, as we've seen. But according um, to Jennifer Lawrence, there are no female action heroes oh, no. before her role as Katniss in the Hunger Games. So maybe it's yeah. right that Sarah didn't win. Yes. Brief thank you to Jennifer Lawrence for paving the way for Linda Hamilton. 
So, <laughs> as well as Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> right. And, you know, Angelina Jolie. And, and Kate Beckinsale. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer Lawrence, for your 2012 the Resident Evil chick. Yes, Mila Jovovich. I can't pronounce her name, so I'm glad you can. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, the arena was the, I, I believe it's called Terminal, the airplane level from Call of Duty, yes. Modern Warfare 2, I think. Um, which, the more I reflect on it, was a terrific scenario for Sarah to, to pull something together, right? Yes. Um, now, here's the thing. Now, when I got to the end, we, we built up a great case for Sarah to win this, right? She could have used that that plane to her advantage. Jet fuel. the Terminator. You had mentioned jet fuel, right? There's different scenarios there. You mentioned, you came, I liked your idea with that lift. Yeah. There's, they make like those lift boxes that can kind of go up like a big elevator. Um, and then it could like come back down and crush, right? Mm -hmm. So you had some good ideas there. Um, when it came down to choose who you think could do this, what kept going through my mind is like, because they kind of set it up of like your confidence level, right? They want you to say a number how many out of 10 do you think this character could win this fight? What I kept thinking of is that can Sarah do this repeatedly? Are the odds in her favor or out of her favor facing this full-on T-800? And at the time, I just felt like I had to tip towards that T-800 is what made the most sense. It's so menacing. But I don't know, man. The more I think about it, you know, it is what it is. Well, here was here was my back. rationale because I originally mm -hmm. said 50-50, I think 5 times out of 10 either of them could win. Mm -hmm. And I changed my answer near the end, but I want I would change it again if I if I could, if I could go back in time and and stop myself from doing that, I would and and because I've had more time to reflect now, I think I can better defend my answer. But I think yeah. the main reason why I originally said that is twofold. One, Sarah is very capable. I mean, there's just no denying that fact. And we and we know that. And we know that from watching T2 and even the first Terminator. Um, she ends up killing the thing in the first Terminator. Not without Kyle, sure. He does most of the heavy lifting. She, she's only, uh, she only dismantles it at the end. But still, she does that with no training whatsoever. None. Zero. She was a waitress that morning, right? And... You get to T2, and she can, I mean, she can hold her own against the T1000, and that's not a Terminator. She hasn't even, she didn't even know existed. So, mm. and of course, the T1000 overpowers Sarah and and all of that. And um, you had sent me this really interesting idea earlier this week that was talking about the reason the T1000 doesn't kill Sarah in that scene is because he's also learning. He's also an AI, and so he's learning to be, like, sadistic. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting idea, but that beside the point. Um, so, so I think Sarah is more than capable, but I think my second reasoning for why the T-800 from T2 only, only wins half the time is because he is the Terminator from T2. I think if it were the 1984 Terminator, I think my second answer would make more sense. Seven times out of 10, it would probably yep. win. Um, and the reasoning there is twofold. One, it's it's 
trying to kill Sarah Connor. The Terminator in T2 is not, that's not its mission. So the Mm. mission parameters are completely different. But secondly, the Terminator in T2, um, once that chip has been flipped, it, it's learning on its own. It's becoming something else. It's it's something more than just a machine in some ways. And because of that, it almost has a moral compass that John has kind of given it. And so I, I don't think that that Terminator would fight Sarah the same way as the 1984 Terminator would. I, I think even though they're the same make, same model, arguably a lot of the same programming... Um, mm-hmm. Just based on mission parameters and personality, I don't think they would fight the same way. And so, I think my original answer to now, going back, makes the most sense. I would I would go back and make it a tie. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, by for them to pick, you know, they wanted to pick like the most iconic, most uh, recognized stage in the Terminator franchise, totally. which of course T two. So I understand their rationale there, but by picking the T two. Uh, T eight hundred, you're kind of nerfing that T eight hundred in a sense, right? A little bit. You can't be quite as just like machine like menacing, ruthless as in the first movie for sure. Um. So yeah, no, it's interesting to put those two together. And granted, you know, to their credit too, they they uh, they make it clear that these two characters know that they are in a fight. Yeah. And that we're going to assume that they are fighting each other to the best of their ability, right? So you do have that preface in there to help with that. But thinking through it as T2 fans and Terminator fans in general, <laughs> you can't help but think a little bit, eh, first Terminator might be a little stronger in this scenario. Yeah. It's still fun, though. I mean, it was a really great discussion with those guys and just, just talking that through and kind of, understanding better why we think the way we do about those characters about the franchise as a whole just was a lot of fun and like you and i said it was so much fun talking about terminator with someone else (laughs) not that Mm -hmm. we don't love talking about it together i mean we were on it together but it was fun having someone else to bounce ideas off of uh that's not something we have on the show and and we've done it before when when uncle casey was on and that was a blast too and hopefully we'll have him on again but um but yeah Speaking of Uncle Casey, um, there are new episodes of T for Two, the Terminator Two show on YouTube. They're great too. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the truck one, but I did watch the Winchester eighteen eighty seven shotgun review. <laughs> that was a great video. He goes so in depth on the history of that and how it. There's some really fun details about that gun relating to the film and the prop and all of stuff it's great yeah i mean it was so fun i think you had mentioned to me it was one of your favorite episodes it might be but definitely go check out casey's stuff now that casey he's put back. a lot of work into checking out yeah yeah um okay well with that i think we'll go into our email for this week uh this week we have an email from david o'donnell and he says hi gents it's david o'donnell here messaging from Durham in the northeast of England. I was born in 1983, and Terminator has been in my life for as long as I can remember. I was probably watching it too young as a child, but my father is a huge <laughs> fan so too, so I guess he couldn't wait to share the films with me. I've been listening to your podcast for a little while now. I'm currently listening to your season two, 
uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles opener. I'm fairly new to podcasts, only really discovering them for myself during lockdown in 2020. It was a pretty bad year for me, and listening to you guys helped me take my mind off of things. It was like I was having a chat with like-minded friends about a franchise that means a lot to me. I can tell it means a lot to you guys, too. You do your research and bring in a lot to the table in terms of insight, opinions, and constructive debates. I could literally talk for hours with you about Terminator, but for now, I'll just say, good work, sir. You're doing an awesome job. All my best wishes, your friend, David O'Donnell. Wow, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, really does. means a lot that you're able to, uh, I guess, feel intimate with us just from listening. I, uh, you know, I, I don't doubt at all that we could talk about this topic for a long time as a group. It'd be fun. Um, glad to hear that we were able to uh, <laughs> provide you some distraction <laughs> um, during your hard time. Um, but, yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Definitely, uh, if you have any other thoughts on the franchise or th- or differing opinions from us, send them in, David, because we'd love to hear them. Um, one other message I got recently on our Twitter account from our friend Khalil, who is iHeartTSCC on, uh, on Twitter. He, uh, he had mentioned to me in a DM that Josh Friedman, who is the, the showrunner of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, that he wanted to do a 10th episode for the first season and it would have been named the crawl. And he said it would have been 45 minutes of Cameron just crawling without her legs into the house to save Sarah and John from like Sarkissian and all that. (laughs) Well, had that sounds whack. And I also love it. That would have been, I feel like that would have been amazing. Interesting. Yeah, there's there's a YouTube video about it he sent uh, with me, and I'll I'll put that in our description here. But um, super super interesting idea. I really like it. I I wish the show had been able to do something like that. Hmm. I wonder. I mean, I'm assuming they would like go back and forth between her as well as John and Probably. Sarah with those yeah. people in the house. Um. Interesting interesting idea it reminds me of do you remember that movie that came out a while ago called i think it was called the wall and it had john cena and he like was pinned down behind a wall by a sniper i think he got shot in the butt or something (laughs) (laughs) so the whole movie he's like talking to the sniper on his thing as he's pinned behind this wall huh interesting it is i can see i can see why they chose to go the direction they did but I'm optimistic they could have come up with something really cool had they pursued that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think, too, it was such a hard time for the show in the first season because not only are you having to basically build the show up from scratch and establish your world and and bring in an audience, especially at a time where Terminator wasn't maybe doing so hot because of the third movie. And, I mean, there was anticipation for Salvation, so I guess it had that going for it, but... Regardless, it wasn't the best time to be a Terminator fan. And mm-hmm. between that and then the writer strike that was going on, so they were already cut a bunch of episodes probably. Um, yeah, it's tough. But it would have been really, really cool. Um, 
Sorry, I am. Did you hear that James Cameron apparently has a nine-hour cut of Avatar 3 that he is working with? I did not. Um, Interesting. I'm surprised Disney hasn't said, hey, let's just turn it into a uh, a series (laughs) (laughs) at that point. It's probably too expensive as a series. But I don't know. I don't know. Can you all tell that we're stalling? I'm excited for that movie, but I'm also very wary of that movie. (laughs) I think it's going to be hard to deliver. And you're actually, um, you know, I think actually in recent time, it's been, it's become more and more trendy to say that the original avatar was not that great of a movie. But you, I remember you had that opinion, you know, hipster style, (laughs) right? When it came out, you were never that into it anyway, to begin with. (laughs) No, it's, it's true. I, I, uh, I'd gone to comic con, the summer before I think Avatar came out in 2009 and everywhere I mean all over San Diego there were James Cameron's Avatar banners all over like the, the, the different street lamps and all over Comic-Con and all that it was around the same time Watchmen's Zack Snyder's Watchmen was coming out too so those two movies were like super heavily promoted and uh and that year, nothing MCU came out. Iron Man 2 came out the next year, so they didn't have anything to promote. So it was mostly just Watchmen and Avatar. And I remember really liking Watchmen and then seeing Avatar eventually. And I did not see it in theaters. I actually ended up buying it at my local Target on DVD, and I watched it on a mini DVD player that mm, we had mm-hmm. for like vacations, you know? Yeah. Um, ironically, I didn't watch it on vacation. I'm pretty sure I just watched it in my room. Um, mm. But I remember this experience vividly. And I was like, wow, this movie looks really pretty. Um, and it's fine. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It, I wasn't super impressed. And I think years later, because I didn't watch it again for a long time. I just I, I didn't feel the need to. Years later... Yeah. Um, post-college I was still working at Montana State and me and a friend of mine you know Brendan he uh he and I were working in a projector room and we were testing this projector that the university had had bought and it was movie grade or theater grade rather film projector super cool I mean it's it's amazing and the the colors and the visuals that it can project are are incredible but we used avatar as our test um, we watched it and we were like, oh my gosh, this doesn't look very good anymore. <laughs> it like, I, I wouldn't say it looked bad, but it didn't look good. You know, it looked like okay. probably like your low budget Marvel movie that has a million people working on it and not enough time to get it done. That's kind of what yeah. it looked like. Um, and again, at the time it was revolutionary, but like compared to what we have now to work with, that's I think what I'm excited about with the way of water. And I'm not the only thing I'm really excited about with this movie is the visuals. Um, yeah, I'd agree because I think they're going to be so much better because it's been so much time. Yeah, and even just the trailers on YouTube look amazing compared to the original film, you know. And so 
I'm excited about that. I think that will be really cool. I don't think I will see it in theaters, unfortunately. I just don't think I'll have time um, unless I get paid to go see it for Looper or Collider or whoever I'm working for on whatever day. Um, but otherwise, I'd, I don't think it's it's going to happen. I'll probably wait till till after and then sit down and yeah. brave the three hours or however long it is. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of hesitant to go to it unless I can go to it in IMAX as well, which, yeah, as you yeah. know, is about two hours away from me. So, um, we'll see. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'll end up seeing it there or not. Uh, I believe James Cameron said recently, though, that uh, the visuals in this will make the MCU look bad or something to that effect, he had said. Which I don't, I don't think is actually very hard. <laughs> to be honest especially, with you um, especially the recent stuff well anything sure. post endgame has been super hit or miss some stuff looks yeah. pretty good and then other stuff looks like garbage like the latest thor movie does not look good yeah. and i know that's a really popular thing to say but there's a reason why it is it's because it looks bad yeah so. Yeah, even parts of that Doctor Strange movie also, which had some impressive moments, totally. but there's some parts that are just like, what? Well, I actually think uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is, like, kind of not a good movie. <laughs> Outside of the nostalgia tug-at-your-heartstrings parts of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that... And I think I was so, like, wrapped up in the nostalgia of seeing Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire again because I was just psyched. I was like, these are my Spider-Man. I love these guys. I'm yeah. so over Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So it was so nice to bring them in to save his trilogy because let's be honest, that's what they did. Yeah. But uh, but the movie itself, I've gone back and, like, rewatched a bunch of scenes from it and, and analyzed it over again. And I'm like, it's not actually that great. It's kind of... Dull. lazy it, yeah yeah it is kind of lazy and honestly the uh the special effects aren't amazing they're nothing to write home about either i think the previous film uh far from home looked better mm-hmm. and that's that's sad for me to say because i think of all of them my favorite well my favorite's probably homecoming but no way home is like for this nostalgia factor is probably one of my favorite spider-man movies but not because it's good <laughs> yeah no, I'd agree. I understand what you're saying. Of course, that's um, how we feel about certain Terminator movies. But Yeah, but you show those to someone who doesn't even have nostalgia glasses for them, and they still like it because that, they're just... That is true. ...independently good. Just all, basically all of them but Genesis. People are like, that's pretty good. <laughs> and Genesis, if you show to a Marvel fan, people might like it. That's true. Yeah, think about that. It's not good. We're not like James <laughs> Cameron here. We we watch all the Marvel stuff. We like a lot oh. of it. We're not we're not like bashing it. Um, it's just I don't know. I feel like they're overextending and getting lazy. And I feel like now DC's doing the same thing. Did you see that they, after hiring back Henry Cavill like two months ago to be Superman again, they got rid of him again. I saw that. I'm so mad. Like messed what? Up. Super messed up, and for no reason. What? Um, I guess they're restructuring or whatever. I don't know. I was optimistic about James Gunn taking over at first, and now I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> not good. But anyway, guys, you did not come here 
to hear our thoughts on Avatar, Marvel, or DC, um, even though we could probably do a really fun show about all of those. You came here. You came here for Terminator. Yes. Um, which, before you talk about the episode... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, right. We have a sto- story time with Tanner. Story time with Tanner. Special segment. Here we go. So... I'm at uh I'm at like a friend's uh get together. We're playing some games and whatnot, and some of these friends have uh have a few kids, and um the boys are playing. They're both around ten or so, and we're we're hanging out. We're playing our own games, and they're off in the other room doing their thing. These two boys come in. They say, uh, one of them one of them says to his uh they go, Hey dad, 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 have I seen Terminator Two? Tell him I've seen Terminator Two. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah, you've seen it. So immediately the other boy goes, can I see Terminator 2? He's seen it. It's rated R. Can I see it? <laughs> <laughs> and so here I am playing games with the adults, and I'm I'm kind of tempted to be like, can I go watch Terminator 2? <laughs> I'm so excited that they're about to, well, one of them is about to experience it for the first time with his friend, as I think a lot of people have, you know, at that age. And just, it's going to be so great. Yeah. So I'm like reliving my childhood. I remember people coming, like friends of mine coming over to my house and I would just make them watch Terminator 2 because that's what I wanted to do. So it's like, watch this awesome movie with me. It's rated R. It's so cool. It has Arnold Schwarzenegger. You were that kid whose parents are like, you cannot go over to Tanner's house unless I know exactly what you're doing. (laughs) No, no, no. No, it was great. No, I mean, we were watching that movie at the appropriate age. It's perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, so Eight. anyway, they kind of they, they kind of <laughs> dismissed them, and they got to go start it. So we're doing our thing. We're playing our games. And then they come back in for, like, water or whatever. And this kid who has not seen Terminator 2 before, he goes, the opening of Terminator 2 is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's like... He goes, you forgot to say please. And then he like goes, Psh, you know, he's he's, make, he's doing the fighting scenes of Arnold throwing the guy through the window. <laughs> oh, I thought he was talking about like the post-apocalyptic hellscape. And I was like, I uh. That's, that's what my mind went to as well. What are you, I don't, what? <laughs> but he's talking about the bar scene. Uh, and, which it uh, is. It is kind of funny. No, it is for sure. Bad to the bone and all of that. It's meant to be kind of funny. Nah, 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 but, nah, nah. In any case, they went back. They were doing their thing. We we were playing our game. They come back in a second time for cookies or whatever. And this kid goes up to his mom. <laughs> and he starts telling her all about the movie. He's like, Mom, they were on the phone, and they thought that they were talking to the mom, but it was actually the bad guy, and she killed the dad. And he talked to him about the dog, so he knew that it was the bad guy. And... <laughs> And it was like my turn to do something in the game. And they're they're like waiting for me to do my turn. And I'm just, I'm absorbed because I'm listening <laughs> to this kid. I'm reliving my childhood, hearing this kid talk about it all excited. You were like, can I record was, this for my podcast? I, that was going through my head the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of want to go watch this with them. This is great. <laughs> so in any case, we've kind of finished our game. We were getting ready to go and. Um, he came back out, and I asked him, I was like, hey, did you did you finish the whole movie? He's like, yeah. Oh, it was so cool. Terminator 2 is great. He, go, he goes, uh, when they throw him in the lava, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? He goes, yeah. And then he says, you know, a lot of that stuff is from Fortnite. 
Oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was, you know what? I just let him I just I just let him I just let him, you know, whatever. I said, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Glad you liked it." Oh boy. You know? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, I'm glad you liked it. It's really funny that you said that because Khalil also sent me on Twitter a uh, a photo that he just saw had just seen on Fortnite and it was a future <laughs> war pack of Sarah Connor outfit and the T800 outfit and like a bunch of these weapons and all this Terminator 2 stuff. That's great. <laughs> so so funny. Super funny. Um, it's a small world. No, that's awesome. Didn't you have another experience recently with someone watching Terminator for the first time? You showed a friend, and didn't she like uh, the Terminator more than Terminator Two? Uh, this one. Oh, I had a couple like that. So, two friends watched it recently. Both of them, uh, both girls. They actually both liked the first one, maybe a little better. Um, it's fascinating. I wonder why. Um. I don't know it's a good question one of them mentioned really liked the stop motion scariness of the sure. first terminator was going through just thought that was cool um one one said that she liked that arnold was just like a badass in the first one and she didn't necessarily like that he became the good guy in the second one just thought like i don't know he's just he's the good guy now i you know <laughs> um which uh you know you and i've talked about that work that worked so well for being different mm-hmm. problem was is that they made that the norm um might have been the mistake um but most recently i had a girl she's uh how old is she 20 so she's younger has never seen any of those and so we watched the first one and then the second one, and she loved it. She, she, and she actually did like the second one more. She loved that they were able to humanize the Terminator, um, and she also loved, of course, uh, Sarah Connor's transformation in that movie. Yeah, she wanted to be Sarah Connor <laughs> by the end of it. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. I always love experiencing movies through the eyes of someone who has never seen it before kind of get to relive it you know no it is super cool she uh had no clue anything so when i put on the first terminator i said what do you know about this movie do you know anything about the premise or any of it and she says the only thing i know is get to the chopper (laughs) which of course is not not terminator right so i was like cool you know nothing let's go (laughs) um but i was all excited for two because i was excited for her to see the switch and not know that arnold's supposed to be the good guy so i asked her about that afterwards and she said well i i didn't expect arnold to be the good guy but i will say when i saw the t-1000 i immediately knew he was a bad guy because of how scary he looks which makes sense it's true that was neat. That's very time. neat. That's very neat. 
All right. Well, after, gosh, how long have we been recording? About a half hour. <laughs> okay. Well, good. We'll, we'll anyway, get into this episode, the episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles wasn't that great. You guys can basically skip that one, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> no, the episode we're actually supposed to be talking about on this episode is uh, Earthlings Are Welcome Here. Which has a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. It's, I think, the lowest we've had so far. And the description reads, Sarah turns to a UFO convention for answers about the three dots. More details about Riley's mission are revealed. And Ellison begins working with Catherine Weaver's AI prototype, John Henry. Uh, yeah. So this episode is the beginning of an arc that Tanner and I cannot stand on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And yeah, it's tough. It, it's it's a tough one to to get through, not because there aren't interesting parts of it. Uh, the Ellison stuff is really good in this episode. It, that arc is wonderful, yeah. and I love that whole arc, the rest of the show. Um, yep. Even the stuff with Riley is really interesting and good, and, and the way it's showing that Jesse is just like this manipulator is really excellent foreshadowing, and I really like all of that too. It's just the yep. stuff with Sarah that's really hard. Okay, Tanner, here's something that doesn't make sense to me. Lay it on me. So Sarah is obsessed with the three dots. She goes to this UFO convention. And the whole thing is all based on... And she's slowly losing her mind, right? And that's yep. that we kind of see that in the episode with her seeing other versions of herself, like the version of her from T2 carving no fate into the table, or the version of her that was a waitress. We know that the next episode, and I'm not trying to get into spoilers here, but we know that the next episode deals a lot more with Sarah and hallucinations because of the gunshot wound at the end of this episode, right? So why is she already hallucinating? Um, If the whole point of her hallucinations <laughs> in the next episode is because of this gunshot wound and because she's like mentally exhausted that she, this is what happens... Why is she already hallucinating? We know in T2, in the uh, special edition, she hallucinates Kyle, but she's in a mental institution and it was a way to cope with with that. She had no other human contact, really. That's not the case in this episode or in most of this season. So why is... Like, is it... I could go one of two paths. Is it just reflection? It just... I don't know. It feels like a really good idea that I really like that's poorly executed in an episode that I don't. Yeah. Because ultimately, I mean, they could have played with that more of like, maybe she's losing her mind kind of, except that she, except they don't the way they that write, that, they don't set that up. So it's kind of like everything she's doing is correct and right. And she's on the right path, but it's like, then why is she hallucinating also? You know, um, yeah. It's it's really not great. I think the John stuff is great. The Cameron stuff is really great in this. Totally. Um, Sarah's path. I don't know. Some of the writing in this show can be frustrating sometimes. And and <laughs> I want to I want to preface this too. I think the UFO convention is a really interesting idea because of course Sarah would kind of fall in line with this group at some point in time just because of what she's gone through and how crazy she'd sound to other people, right? 
Um, super interesting idea. I like that. Um, it just feels so out of nowhere, the way that it just is thrown on us in this episode. And more than that, the whole stuff yeah. about Abraham and, and this person who has found these drones and how that doesn't really pay off <laughs> much ever. Yeah. Um, and that's not fully true. It does pay off a little bit uh, near the end, like a little more, but not, I don't know. It's just not well constructed, this arc. And I feel like this is the point in the show where they're like, we have to do something with Sarah because everyone else has these very interesting arcs and Sarah is very <laughs> one note and it's supposed to be her show. So we need to do something that puts her in the spotlight and instead yep. of doing something like they did in the last episode where she, you know, helps train or save other people and not just John, which is an interesting idea that I like, um, they do this and they're like, let's just make her crazy because that's what people like from T2, right? Exactly. Not to mention, speaking of other characters, we don't see Derek at all again. Thanks a lot, Sarah Connor Chronicles, <laughs> leaving out Derek. I know, we only um, have so much time left. But it's super good. <laughs> <laughs> but, Take but that however you it, want it. It's, it's super annoying that she shows up to this convention because she's holding a brochure that has three lights together. I know, it's just... Like, uh, oh, really? <laughs> it's just really thin, you know? And it it's is. like with Cyberdyne and it being three, like shapes okay like i you could argue that that's fine that's fine that makes sense but cyberdyne's gone and yeah if she were going to like a computer program nope that's not what i wanted to say if she were going to like a uh a computer developing company or like some in industrial warehouse or whatever it is okay like I, th that's a stretch maybe but if Three dots are in the logo. Fine, I can, but just a brochure with three dots that connect to UFO sightings. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. And you <laughs> know, John is obviously very worried about his mom, and thinks she's kind of losing it, and it's because she is. But what I don't understand is Sarah isn't okay. Sarah is arguably not the most level-headed person in the world. But Sarah has learned from her previous experiences in T2 in this show. Like, we've seen the growth. We've seen the development. Yes, she can be a little erratic. Yes, she can be a little overprotective. But she's not stupid. And yeah. she's, not, um, she's not crazy. And she consistently makes good moral choices. So... The fact that she's on this path is very strange. And what's even worse is this is the first episode where we see her kill somebody. Does she kill somebody? Doesn't she shoot that guy? And kill him? And then climb over his body when she's pulling herself out of the warehouse at the very end? You know, when she's bleeding? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And it's no, not right. even a thing. It's yep. just like, yep. that's it. I did it, and this, we had this whole arc at the beginning of the season with John after he killed Sarkissian, and it's like this, oh, was it Sarah, was it John? And John is obviously struggling with it, 
and I, I know it happened at the very end of the episode, so I will give the episode grace in that regard. We'll, we'll cover this more next week. But it just seems like it was a very, like, quick thing that yeah. there, she just had no reaction to. And I get that she's bleeding, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think Sarah could take a life like that and just be so cavalier about it. They don't do very much with it either. So, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think they do a great job exploring that with John, but then they don't do that with Sarah, which doesn't make sense. No. Um, something I was hoping to talk about in this episode because it is cool how they show kind of how Riley and um, shoot Jesse, what is Jesse? How they meet in the future. And, of course, Jesse makes this plan to take Riley back in time to get John away from Cameron, um, which is a really interesting plot line. But something super interesting that I was thinking about is, you know, when they have the ability to use this time machine, they very well could go back far enough to where they could live out their days in, in peace and not even have to worry or confront the future, but they choose not to. Right. Say what you want to about Jesse, whether she's manipulative or, you know, um, troublesome in some ways. Um, her motivations were still to stay in the fight in the past and try and correct the future from happening, even though she had the ability to just go AWOL, which is what um, Derek had actually asked her about when he first found her, right? Was, Did you go AWOL? Did you just come back here to escape the future, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's our interesting uh detail and interesting thinking about people in the future who probably would be tempted to just use that technology to get out of there and just live out their days in fact if you think about the the watch guy that they capture um bish uh what was it? fisher fisher that was fisher's reward right was to be able to be sent back yeah and live out his days basically it reminds me of the first Matrix. There's the guy who betrays them yes. on the ship. Yes. Because he has the option. He says, I want to be plugged back in. And I want, granted, his was different because he would have the option to have his mind raced. He wouldn't have any guilt associated with that decision. But he would rather live out his life um, in a fake world that's not the reality of the real world, right? Which. Right. <laughs> is great sci-fi talk as we get into this new weird age of uh, the meta and, you know. <laughs> well, think about Ready Player Virtual One. Reality. I feel like that'll be a reality sooner than we think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's, I think Jesse, all this backstory about Jesse is very interesting, but I, I think we can't forget that, and I'm I'm trying hard to avoid spoilers here because we're going to talk about this more as the show goes on. But I think we can't forget that there's another motivation here for Jesse. You know, it's not because necessarily because she was sent back in time by the res resistance for a reason. She obviously has her own motives. And I think one thing we can talk about because I feel like it's implied in this episode is that Riley seems to be unaware of why she's in the past. Like, it seems like Jesse befriended her, kind of groomed her a little bit, and then took her to the past with promises of a better future tomorrow. 
and then doesn't explain what they're doing there, doesn't explain what's about to happen, and kicks her out and says, okay, now you're going to go do this for me, and you don't really have a choice because I saved you. You know what I mean? It, it just feels very manipulative to me. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, at the end of the episode, Riley attempts suicide, and which is so sad when we were watching it. My wife was like, no, really? She just like didn't see it coming and which is fair it's it's really shocking um Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to watch and it's hard to watch john try and save her and you know cameron just stand there and and all that and we'll get into all of that again next time around after christmas but um very uh i i don't think we can forget that about jesse um there's something else going on and derek derek knew it from the moment he saw her and chose to ignore it for the sake of his own happiness, but um, but that's going to catch up to him. Yeah, totally. And um, it's funny going back and seeing how weird and out of touch Riley is, and then of course she can act pretty normal around John. Yes, <laughs> when she needs to. But when she arrives, she's like smelling pillows and looking up at a lamp, all you know, ape like. <laughs> Well, she probably grew up in the future, right? So she didn't have any of that stuff? Or if, you know, Judgment Day happened when she was maybe really little and so she doesn't remember it? Yeah, seems to be. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, You had mentioned you really liked the stuff with Cameron in this episode. What was your favorite part? Oh, seeing Summer Glau, she's just so good at delivering uh, this, this robotic or should I say cybernetic, um, uh, this intimidation factor yeah. in her eyes and her mannerisms. And and it's funny because, of course, physically she's not, you know, if you didn't know that she was a cybernetic organism, she's not physically scary. She's a smaller girl, mm-hmm. right? But uh, she, she has, she delivers just so much confidence in her stares and the way she talks to Riley. And, of course, Riley knows what she is also, so Riley has reason to be scared of her. And it works really well on screen. It's so much fun when she's grabbing her her arm to look at her wrist yeah. and she's feeling pulse. But in the back of your mind, you're also thinking, like, she could totally crush her hand right now. <laughs> it's great. It's so much fun. And um, I always love looking at people who portray a Terminator. Of course, the you know Arnold is always the standard. But seeing people do it so differently, but also effectively, is so much fun. Yeah. Um, and not everyone has, you know. There's been some duds, but Summer Glau is uh, does something really different than everyone else does, and yeah. it's really fun to watch. I agree. Um, I think we should probably talk about the last arc and probably the most important arc in this episode. Um, yeah. Definitely my favorite arc in this episode and that's Ellison finally taking up Catherine Weaver on her offer to kind of be a, an ethics teacher or a spiritual guide to her AI, John Henry. And first of all, I just loved, I, I love all of this. Uh, we, we see obviously more of it as the, as the show continues and, and nears its end. But um, this idea that Ellison, who is, who is a man of faith, who is a man was a real past, you know, and, and does his best to do what's right. Um, 
try and instill that same value system, that same belief system in a sense into a machine. It's, it's such a, it almost seems like a impossible futile task, but it's one that we're rooting for him to, to accomplish, you know, we're rooting for his success. And I really, yeah. really like it. I, I love the, the scene where him and John Henry are playing chess near the end of the episode. And, um, John Henry's basically asking why are human lives valuable? You know, why does that matter? And, and Allison's like, well, it's because God created us and, and we're his creation and we inherently have value because of that. And I'm like, you know, as a Christian, I'm like, yes, this, <laughs> this is right. <laughs> if only AI yeah. could understand this. Um, and I, I think that's all very interesting too. Um, I really like that John Henry poses the question at the very end, well, am I God's child? And, you know, in Christian theology, there's a distinction between being God's creation and being God's child. Children are, are reserved for people who trust in Jesus, but um, creation is, is anyone and anything. And I think that leaving that answer there or leaving that question there is such a interesting and complex and just really cool philosophical way to end end that arc on the episode. Um, yeah, I, it's there's so much I really like about it. I really like how concerned Ellison is. I like how cautious he is, but I also like how direct he is with John Henry. I think there yeah. is a level of him, you know, earlier in the episode they talk about how um, – you know, he was briefly a father. His wife um, terminated is the word they use. They're a child, um, which is heartbreaking. It's so sad. And we find out that that's why his marriage fell apart ultimately. It wasn't because of his work. It wasn't because of this or that. It was because of that, um, which is even more heartbreaking in hindsight. Um, but you kind of see a fatherly, paternal, as Catherine Weaver would call it, element of Ellison in his conversations with John Henry. Yes. And that's super cool. Especially the way the way that they set up his conversation with his friend at, at church yeah. as well. When he's talking about all of that and, and children and how much he wanted, you know, even more children than she did. Yeah. And they're setting that up. And you can feel the heaviness and the weight that Ellison feels and that he's alone. He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have children. So where is his place at this point? And he feels that his task may be to teach the ethics and morals uh, to John Henry at this point, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. And yeah, I agree. I, I love the fact that they kind of leave that answer and to, to that question kind of hanging there a little bit, you know, like this is to be continued sort of thing. Yeah. So... Um... All in all, I'd say the episode probably deserves its 7 out of 10. Honestly, maybe you could even go lower to like a 6.8. But I think, honestly, the Ellison-John Henry stuff kind of saves it. Well, really, it's the rest of the episode saves it. It's the Sarah stuff that's not great. Yeah, Sarah Sarah drug it down for sure. <laughs> Which is too bad. Um, it's her show. It is. The only other two little details that I could think of, uh, I thought it was, I don't know if you noticed, but John is wearing a shirt that kind of looks like the three dot UFO thing. Oh no, I didn't notice. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> if you look, he's got three dots, but it looks like it's from the undercarriage mm. of the UFO sort of. And it's like kind of glowing and, uh, yeah, it was made me laugh. 
And then I love when Jesse and Riley are sitting in the car at school before she goes to, you know, follow John. And there's a dog that starts barking, and Jesse immediately looks at it because, of course, oh, they use dogs yeah. for Terminators. Good I, just thought, I just thought that was a really cool little detail they have. We uh, we didn't mention it um, when we were talking about the Sarah arc, but at the very end, when she's bleeding out and she looks up and she sees the drone, it, do you think she's hallucinating? Or is that real? Well, I'm trying to remember, and I always forget every time I watch this show, I'm like, is that is that part, is that there or not? But I, I mean, not to spoil anything, but I, I'm trying to remember if that thing comes, I think it comes back to a degree. I know... A drone comes back in the last episode, but I don't know if it's the same drone. Yeah. You know? Um, no, I don't think she's hallucinating. I think she's seeing it. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure. Yeah. I keep going back and forth. I kind of think she's hallucinating, but I'm not. We'll, we'll see. The next episode we'll will see. help. Also, fun fact about this episode. It came out on December 15th. 2018 and we are recording this episode december 15th 2022 how about that it didn't come out in 2018 it came out in 2008 i don't know how to speak or read i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) but you didn't correct me so 2018 was supposed to be the future from terminator salvation that is true no it came out on december 15th 2008 and we're recording this on december 15th 2022 and i think that's really neat um it was also the last episode it was the mid-season finale it was the before the break into the next year and this episode is probably going to be the same for us just because of the holidays and you know christmas and new year's and all that and we'll be back in january don't you worry um we'll be talking about a better episode than this previous one um though we'll still be dealing with the ramifications of sarah's arc here also, this is our 35th episode. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. I do now. Yeah, that's kind of fun. So we're uh, we're nearing 50. It's around the corner. We may have to do something special. Um, but that said, guys, that's all we got for this week's episode of No Fate. Thank you so much for those of you who emailed your thoughts or sent us some fun facts and Terminator trivia and just all of that. We really appreciate you guys. We love you guys. We're really grateful for all the other Terminator fans out there. Uh, keep writing in. Keep listening. Keep letting us know your thoughts on the Sarah Connor Chronicles or anything else we talked about. Um, we're definitely, definitely excited to continue this conversation into the new year, into 2023. So... Uh, my goal is to get this episode out, obviously, before Christmas. Um, but if that doesn't happen, it'll definitely be before New Year's. So if this comes out after, you can, I don't know, you can burn me at the stake or something. <laughs> but uh, if you want to contact us or listen to old episodes of the show, you can go visit our website, nofatepodcast.com, where you can find our Twitter page. You can listen to our show directly on the site, and you can get a hold of us through our contact tab there. Tanner, until next time. We'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Alright guys, thank you so much. And remember, if you're listening to this, you are the resistance. (laughs) 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 (laughs)